Welcome to the Think Data podcast brought to you in partnership with DataWorks. If you want to stay up to date with the latest breakthroughs and trends in the world of data and artificial intelligence, and if you're curious about some of the strategies that companies and founders use to launch data and AI products, then you're in the right place. Our aim is to bring together a diverse lineup of fantastic guests from the founders through to accomplished leaders and product owners at some of the most fascinating data and AI companies worldwide. They will each offer you their own unique insight into what it takes to launch and scale a great data business. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This is episode 23 of the Think Data podcast in partnership with DataWorks. And today I'm really excited to welcome Scott Brightnother to the show. Scott is the CEO and founder of Brooklyn Data Company, who are highly regarded as one of the leading modern data analytics consulting firms out there. It's been a big year for him and the team. They were acquired by Valir back in March. And as a result, he's now assumed the role of chief data officer. And in that role, he's now really working across the group, helping to drive data-driven decision-making across their customer base. Really good to finally get you on today. And uh, as I mentioned, it's been a, been a big year for you. So thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time. Would you mind giving everyone who's listening a bit of a background to yourself uh, and what brought you to launch Brooklyn Data Company back in 2018? Sure, and, and I got to say thank you for having me. I'm 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 happy that I'm your 23rd favorite person in the data space. Um, <laughs> just kidding, but no, it's, it's really exciting, and, and I totally agree. It's I've been difficult to schedule with, um, but very excited. Uh, thanks for having me, Alex. Um, ooh, well, um, where to start? I guess. Um, so you're right. Brooklyn Data launched in 2018. My background is former management consultant. That's how I started my career, actually, in London, in your neck of the woods, working at LEK Consulting, living and breathing in spreadsheets and PowerPoint. Um, and it's funny, the, the the very last project I worked on in consulting, I got access to a client's data warehouse. And it kind of like got bitten by the bug. And that's really my story is that, you know, I moved to New York, uh, ended up being an early team member at Casper, starting the data stack there. A really right place, right time. That was really when DBT and Snowflake and Redshift and Looker and all these tools were coming out. And um, it was just such an, it, it still is, but I mean, it felt like almost like magical at that time where everything was changing. New technologies were coming out. You know, you knew people in, in-house at, at kind of companies that were building data stacks, external that were that were building data technologies and just like, Everything was changing, and it was just such a was such a fun time to be in the data space. And and again, I was right place, right time. Casper um, was one of the you know I say first movers, early folks in the modern data stack. People would ask for recommendations, um, and I would you know point them in the direction of other folks, point them in the direction of Fishtown Analytics now DBT Labs, and then they kind of you know realized that there's there's a bit of a business here and and there was yeah. a real gap in the market there we had these great technologies but um i guess the experience the change management the architecture experience that the kind of data strategy that gap was missing and so that's how brooklyn data was born uh, we were essentially born as a consultancy as professional services to pair with these amazing technologies that were coming out um and, you know, I guess we did something right because, um, you know, we're, we're about 100 people now and um, it's been just a 
fun, wild, amazing ride. I mean, it's just, you know, it's been an incredible experience. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see, obviously, from from our side. And obviously, we're always kind of looking out into the market about those people that are making waves and people are talking about. And it's uh, it's evident you you did do something right. Well, what do you think that something right was right back at the beginning? Because I'm guessing it was originally you, you were going out, you were delivering these products. But what, what do you think that secret sauce was to your success in the early stages, I guess? Um, that's a really great question. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. When we started, we weren't even called Brooklyn Data. We were called Scott Bright, another LLC. And then the funny story <laughs> is, we were actually Scott Bright, another LLC until technically, until the end of... Um, 2021 i think um when i finally like pulled the trigger and like we need to change the entity name so everybody so broke when, the people, data. when you were when you were paying the staff it was coming oh from yeah you. so everybody you, you know they they had this experience <laughs> where they'd come to brooklyn data it's like i'm gonna take a chance i'm gonna join this fast-growing company and their first paycheck comes from scott right another llc and they're like oh my god what terrible decision <laughs> have i done um, it's just a pain and pain to rename entities. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, when we started, it was it was essentially me freelancing. It was me kind of using my experience at Casper and helping companies, and and we got more demand, and so the team grew, and so the the journey was really, you know, we started as Scott's freelancing. Scott's freelancing, and he has some people working with him. <laughs> Scott's freelancing, he has some more people work with him, and they're called Brooklyn Data. Brooklyn Data is a is a data consultancy led by Scott from Casper. Brooklyn Data, you know, is a data consultancy with really good people in data, and Brooklyn Data <laughs> is a leading data consultancy. And it was like that journey to um, switch away from it being Scott, Scott and the gang, to really yeah. a uh, a company, a professional um, services consultancy that is just a leader in the data space. And and that, to your point, was all about hiring great people um i i it kind of felt really privileged that we, we felt like we had the best people in the modern data stack all in one place um it, and and we we still we still do but it was just a very novel concept like where we ju- we would be grabbing these data leaders and um many of them are here with brooklyn data some have gone on to join data saas startups and go out into the data ecosystem but you know brooklyn data was and and has 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 become this like great place to start your career to um, accelerate ca- your career. I mean, nowhere else do you get to work with you know a hundred people that do exactly the same thing you do. Yeah. Like you could go yeah. to an in-house data team of four or five or six people. You could go to a giant company and do data, but kind of potentially use their proprietary data stack. There's very few places where you have. Y- there's such a large crew of individuals doing what you do and collaborating with you, asking questions, learning from each other. It, I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I can't think of a better place to really just learn and develop your skills in the modern data stack than working at a consultancy like Brooklyn Data. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. And again, I go back to my earlier point about the you know, how in, in some people's views or eyes, you were just suddenly were there. Brooklyn Data Company seemed to be everywhere. You know, irrespective of that, they little did they know is actually your own name, but obviously just the Brooklyn Data brand. But I think if you look to the people you were hiring, uh, you could see the tenure, you could see the amount of people you're bringing in, and equally that gathers its own momentum. So yeah, you're, you're completely right. From us looking inwards, um, you're obviously doing something right. And I, 
I know we kind of touched on this previously about, I think, probably why we were introduced originally, mm-hmm. about hiring and the growth strategy. You obviously did something right about that kind of employer brand, you know, the passion kind of permeating from what you're saying now. How did you kind of convey that message to people who are onboarding and, you know, how did you place talent at the center of your decisions here? Um, so how do we put talent um, at kind of the center of everything? I mean, when you're, I think the talent is, talent is key to every business. Um, yeah. In professional services, it's just more apparent. And so, you know, if you work at a company that creates widgets, you know, your success is the success of your, your ability to sell, create, develop, create, produce, and sell those widgets. That is powered by having great people to do that. When you're in a professional services environment, you kind of don't have the widgets. Your people are the product. And so it is just mm-hmm. so much more transparent and critical. I mean, I, so it's more transparent. It's not more critical. Every single company needs to hire great people. But in professional services, it's ex- ex- it's extremely obvious. Um, well, they're your brand, aren't they? Effectively, they're conveying that brand, that message every single day. Exactly, and 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 they are they're the the brand of the product, and so you know you have to create an environment where you can attract the best talent. Um, you can continue to grow and develop and motivate the best talent, um, and you can kind of nurture them, you know, in along their career and and have them be, you know. My goal is for every single individual at Brooklyn Data to be a leader. Um, mm-hmm. And that could be a people leader, a technology leader, a client leader, you know, an internal cultural leader. But just for, for, we really look for folks that want to build, create, and lead in some capacity. And again, leading does not necessarily mean people management. We have extremely no. talented individual contributors at the senior level that are technology leaders and kind of leading their peers. And so, you know, what we really want to do is just from day one, when you when you look at Brooklyn Data, we wanted to emphasize that this is a place where you're going to learn, grow, and be surrounded by folks that are going to push you, um, a variety of client contexts and data stacks and challenges that will, will really give you this, let's say, give you more iterations, more experience than you would in the same time in-house. I mean, you know, at any given time, you might be working two, three, potentially four different client, um, client contexts and client systems. And so in a year in Brooklyn data, you could potentially work with 10, 15, maybe 20 different client setups. Um, Mm. And that's, that variety just is, is such an accelerator. And so really making sure folks know that, um, this is this is this is the way to develop your career. And some people, some people, you know, like any consultancy, you stay for a window of time, stay for a couple of years, accelerate yeah. and go in house. Other folks just love, like me, are kind of addicted to the variety. The you know, I love learning something every day, and so mm-hmm. this, I, I couldn't imagine a better place to be than Brooklyn Data. I might jump from talking to kind of a large fintech to a small health tech to an e-com D2C company all in like one day or one week and helping them think through data challenges. And for me, that's heaven. That's the dream job. Yeah. I think you can be right there. And again, going back to your point a bit earlier where you where you said, obviously, you've empowered, hired people that have, ult- have ultimately gone somewhere else to that kind of next SaaS company mm-hmm. and assumed 
their own entrepreneurial journey, I think you should take some credit for that because a lot of kind of CEOs and founders get a bit butthurt when someone leaves. But actually, if you're empowering that next wave of entrepreneurs through your training, your tech stack, your knowledge base, then taking comfort from that is probably a really positive thing. Ultimately, they are, you know, ambassadors. They're they're kind mm. of representatives of Brooklyn Data and the Brooklyn Data brand. They're, they are a key way of attracting talent for talent to say, hey, this is where I could be in two to three years. I can go off to do all these kind of great things that folks that have gone through Brooklyn Data have learned. Um, and it's such a small world in this data community. You, you kind of have to support folks and 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 um, and really invest in them. Uh, yeah, because it, it comes back around. You see everybody at least twice in this world. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm quite keen to go back to when you launch, and obviously that rise, obviously Fishdown, DBT, what we kind of coin as the modern data stack. What do you think drove the growth of a your success and business? because of that modern data environment? Because I know we were going through a consolidation phase where you had that classic BI stack, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 12 years ago, but obviously DBT, Fishtown really probably lowered the barrier to entry for people doing some really good modeling and actually bringing all those subsequent data tools. Did you go in and try and service one niche within the modern data stack? Or were you really looking at that end-to-end kind of consolidation of maybe a tip, an old BI stack, for example? Yeah, that, that's that's a really good question. Um, the why why I think DBT and and kind of a lot of those technologies, let's call it Looker, um, you know, Redshift, Snowflake, were were all so successful is the computing environment. You know, in 2012, 13, 20, 2012 through twenty, let's call it sixteen. Um, mm. You know, and the the rise of cloud computing that supported data workloads, and that's you know Redshift, BigQuery, then Snowflake joined. Suddenly, you had um, a group of companies, a group of individuals that had never had access to do data stuff. Like they were always doing yeah. Excel, but they weren't doing data stuff in the cloud. And and so, you know, there was just such a gap in the experience and the tools to use the cloud data computing platforms. And so Redshift came out and people tried to work with it like they would work, you know, with an old Teradata or an old or a kind of Hadoop or an older platform. And they realized that all the tools out there were just kind of um, being adapted to the, the kind of the cloud computing environment. Whereas tools like Looker and DBT were built from the ground up to be of that environment. Mm. I think similarly for for Brooklyn Data, um, you know, just like the tools weren't weren't there, the experience wasn't there either. And so you had a lot of folks that saying like, great, I have my very first Redshift or BigQuery database. Um, what can I do with it? Out of the box, nothing. I mean, you, you know... Mm. It is a really, really great spreadsheet, but you got to get data in. You got to transform it. You, there are paradigms. Like I even remember when when we were first using Redshift and DBT, we had no idea what we were doing. We would lose weeks deciding, you know, whether we would do wide tables or star schema or silly things like that. And actually, not silly, but just like fundamental debates because paradigms hadn't been established for the new cloud data stack. And there's they're always evolving now, but like. No one had any idea what they were doing. And so you had the technologies like Looker and DBT. And 
I'd like to think you'd had the, you had the professional services like Brooklyn Data helping to navigate. And so, you know, the there's just this massive expansion opportunity because everybody was rushing into Redshift BigQuery and then Snowflake. They needed the tools to to work within those platforms, and they needed mm. the professional services, the experience to jumpstart them. You know, and when we come into a company, when Brooklyn Data comes into a company, yes, we're building the data stack. And yes, success for us is solving business problems and answering business questions. But it's also training and building a team internally so that like the minute we leave, it doesn't all all kind of break apart. apart. Yeah. You know, I, I've always really emphasized from day one that we want to be building data capabilities, not data stacks. And data capabilities mm. are the people, process, and technology supporting data at your business. Yeah. No, I like that. I think it's... Uh... When you simplify that down, it, it makes complete sense. But it's amazing that a lot of organisations they will get all the you know tools, technology that they can, but actually the execution is pretty poor. So they end up spending a lot of money. They bring in teams that ultimately aren't fully au fait with the tech stack, and they don't really deliver that intrinsic value which they which they're spending all this money to ultimately get. So I'm guessing you come in and you're really setting that capability up. So when you do say this assignment is kind of delivered, as you rightly say, it's not just going to fall over. That, that's right. It, it, it is. You know, it, it it was just so great along the journey to get notes from analysts at our clients saying, hey, I was a little skeptical when you came in, but you, I learned skills from you. I learned how to prioritize work. I learned how to manage stakeholders. You set expectations with the executives. You know, I went from a world where every time I got my head up from one wave, I would hit by be another, be hit by another. Two, we run a sprints, we have a structure. You know, there's always going to be some chaotic nature, but the things that you can control, you do control. And so, that's the big, the very rewarding thing, you know, for me. And and again, I I love when the executives at our clients are are excited and happy, but. I love when the analysts send a little note at the end of the at the end of the project. That that makes me really happy. Yeah, you kind of is the uh, the tick in the box that y- your job is done here, and you can move on to the next uh, the next thing. And I'm guessing, you know, I suppose like it or uh, lump it, you obviously are an entrepreneur. You obviously founded this business. You whether this was your goal to ultimately grow, but what I was really interested in was the Valir acquisition. Mm-hmm. And obviously you grew the business five years and obviously worked many, many hours getting this business to where I wanted. What or, or so what factors kind of led you to think now's the right time? Because I know Valir are more on the digital experience piece, mm-hmm. are they for people who may not have heard of them? Um if you can maybe describe who they are and ultimately why now? Yeah, that that's a that's a that's a really good question. Um and, and trust me, you know, decisions like these are not ones you take lightly. And they're, they, they're ones that, you know, you discuss with your peers, your mentors, you know, this is a big one. Um, hmm. But maybe I'll start backwards. I'll say, who's Valir? So Valir, the company that acquired Brooklyn Data, um, is an amazing kind of uh, agency that's focused on building um, personalized experiences for their clients. And so that's personalized digital experiences like website, like MarTech, like, you know, personalized messaging in kind of email and text message. Um, and that, that whole kind of personalized digital experience. Um, it's funny, you kind of like we were 
developed and grew in different worlds, them and the kind of the digital experience business and us in the data platforms. But it really makes sense. And um, why we ultimately landed on Valir is that we at Brooklyn Data, we were more and more bringing um, all of our clients' data together with other customers. And our clients were saying, okay, you've got all the data in one place. Why don't you push it to our CRM? Yeah. Push it to our ESP or push it to our CDP to drive personalized messaging. And we would do that. And then we would do a handoff to an internal team. But we we found that there wasn't a partner to pick the data up all the time, always reliably in the marketing side. And yeah. um, Valir, they've been building digital experiences forever. Um, they were finding that personalization was becoming more and more important. And clients were looking to grab the data from the data warehouse to personalize communication and personalize digital experiences and to use data to analyze the effectiveness of those digital experiences. Uh, Interesting. That's the match. We are both experts in our own space, data and digital experiences. The superpower is when when our powers combine, um, we really do double down on that thesis that I'd love to say is that your, your, your data warehouse is the beating heart of every modern data organization. And it mm. you're driving insights, reporting, but also personalized experiences, whether it's e- to your customers, um, to your prospects, um, to on customer support, to drive sales. <laughs> it really is personalization is key. Um, and then maybe to kind of rewind a little bit on why I ended up even going down this route. I mean, you know, we're, we, we were a bootstrap business. We were probably, you know, 80, 90 people at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, we really wanted to kind of put the foot on the gas. I, I feel just as bullish about data today as I did last year and two years ago and four years ago when I started. Um, and so there's a shift, you know, when you're a bootstrapped organization where, listen you never want to lose that scrappiness but there's there's a there's an element of investing in capabilities investing in kind of things that drive sales and and customer success but also you know drive improve operations and um those are things that believe it or not when you are a uh, bootstrap startup you don't always invest in and and so um that's the exciting thing for us is, is really putting rocket fuel in the machine, you know, allowing mm-hmm. going to invest in the systems processes, you know, in resource planning and learning development and bringing in experienced technical leaders and just, and really the things that you need to do to go from, you know, wow, that's Brooklyn data. They're a leader in this emerging technology too. Wow. That's Brooklyn data. They're a leader in data. Yeah. And um, and that means data means not just BigQuery, Snowflake, DBT, Redshift. I mean, that means, you know, the Microsoft stack. That means some legacy tools. And that's the interesting thing that I've loved to see over the last couple of years is, is like the modern data stack is maturing. It used to be modern data stack or legacy. <laughs> and now now you're seeing hybrid data stacks. And that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. You talk about your passion there about you're just as passionate now as you were five, six years ago. And on that point about these kind of hybrid setups, there's no getting away from the point we find ourselves at now in terms of this, what the data 
space and what a typical data team looks like. I think we can't get away from kind of AI and everyone talking about the associated impact that that may have in terms of the makeup of these data teams. Um, but in your experience, and obviously what you're probably seeing from the customers and what you're talking to your teams about, how do you think this rise of AI tools and products and different technologies is ultimately going to impact the way that companies set their data teams up? Yeah. I mean, in the short term, not much. Um, no. I kind of see that you know, in, the next, in the next five years, AI will be a co-pilot. It'll be something that makes you code faster. It'll make you like, you know, just like I remember when, you know, Google came out, like get, right. we all kind of forget, but like learning how to write a good question in Google was a skill that we all had to learn. Yeah. You, you know, like, and now we know it's like, you know, yeah, we, you know, vacation home, cheap you're like i mean like like we can we we know how to like essentially work the work work google i think we will all have to do learn some element of prompt prompt engineering and in some companies that will be so specialized or such a big role that it is actually a specific role but mm. i think for most of us it's going to be using ai to be product like more productive and so like we just enabled like zoom ai assistant that summarizes the meetings um it's not perfect but it's yep. really it's really good it's um, really good and you're just going to notice the productivity levels being so different you know 18 months from now between someone that has embraced the various co-pilots and i'm like i mean I feel at this point, I'm a little bit of an old man. I, you know, I, I'm not as naturally <laughs> adapting to, to kind of the, the new, the new tools as, as I would have 10 years ago, but, um, that's going to be what the next five years are really like. It's just like using these various productivity tools to make your life easier. And I think most of the innovation, again, unless you are an AI company, most of the innovation of AI will be in the tools you use, not in proprietary things you build for your own company so ai built into zoom ai built into your marketing you know ad platforms or your attribution platforms or your bi tool i don't think people are going to be expected to you know at least in the data side be innovating on ai themselves unless you're like a really into it or scrappy or there's a specific use case that makes tons of sense five plus years out i do think that you're going to start to see more automated insights, um, you know, us doing things that we didn't even know, know possible, <laughs> more mm. personalized messaging. Yeah. Um, but I think it's right now, uh, you know, it's not good enough that a human cannot be in the loop. And, and so it's like a human assistant. And then, you know, five years from now, maybe the human is validating a recommendation. And then yeah. there's a point where a human, you know, human sets the, the, the checks on it and the controls but it's just off to the races um yeah so i i don't think anybody's going out of a job but i do think that you know just like people had to learn google 20 mm. years ago they're gonna have to learn how to do prompt engineering and 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 it, it's 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 like sh it makes you shockingly more productive yeah 
No, I, I really like that. I, I agree with all those sentiments. I think it's um, from everyone I speak to, and it, yourself included, it's about driving those kind of efficiencies on every level. And if you can get that, t- and the incremental gains you're going to get every minute, every hour, ultimately it's going to lead to better productivity, better results. Um, but you're right, unless you're a pure, say, gen AI company, I think that modern data team or even BI teams can still realize the benefits of AI without necessarily thinking they're going to be displaced or out of a job. Yep, exactly. A hundred percent. Nice, guys. Great to great to have this conversation. I do. I, it was well worth the wait. And thanks ever so much for uh, your time with this. And I'm sure you uh, you got a lot of big projects to get stuck into. So thanks ever so much. I do appreciate it. Anytime. Um, let's you know maybe I could. I'm 23rd. Maybe I could be 46th or something. We could do it same time next year. This is, this is a lot <laughs> I'd of fun. I'd love that. And next time, I promise I won't. I won't take so long to schedule. I'll hold you to that. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks, Alex. Thanks.